fourth watch starts now. Hello, everybody. You're listening to The Fourth Watch with Justin Fall on the Kapow Radio Network. I hope everyone's having a blessed week. We've got a great show for you tonight. This week's adventure will take us into another mystical realm where people travel interdimensionally into the spiritual realms. Signs and wonders surround these practices and create a lust for more and more power. Some of these practices have infiltrated the modern church and are bewitching the masses, creating a desire in the churches to even open portals of their own. When they open these portals, they receive extra biblical revelation. Submitted for the approval of the Kapow Radio Network, I call this episode Astral Projection, Portals of the New Age. Tonight we're going to be looking at some pretty heavy information, some even unsettling. Again, we're faced with a practice that defies logic and even seems out of man's reach. As we're going to see tonight, it's a well-documented occult religious practice, and the means for achieving these spiritual results are demonic meditative rituals. We'll be looking into official claims and teachings, as well as some scary correlations with the modern church, and some varying practices and interesting historical facts surrounding the New Age realm. To get started here, we need to familiarize ourselves with some basics. Astral projection, or astral travel, is an interpretation of an out-of-body experience, or an OBE, which assumes the existence of an astral body or soul separate from the physical body and capable of traveling outside of it. Astral projection or travel denotes the astral body leaving the physical body to travel into an astral plane. The idea of astral travel is rooted in common worldwide religious accounts of the afterlife in which the consciousness or soul's journey or ascent is described in such terms as an out-of-body experience where the spiritual traveler is able to leave their physical body and travel in his or her spirit body or astral body into the higher realms. It is frequently reported in association with dreams, drug experiences, and forms of meditation as well. The fallen angels and demons have swayed mankind from the beginning with supernatural signs and wonders and promises that defy earthly logic. And that seems to provide a false sense of credibility and even assurance in the demonic entities. People are seeking experiences in the here and now. Even in the garden, Adam and Eve were beguiled by the serpent Lucifer as he promised them that they would be like gods, having their eyes opened. It wasn't enough for them to have undefiled communion with Yahweh, but they sought after an experience of having their eyes opened. This rings so familiar as we learn about New Age spiritual practices. People have rejected the gospel of Jesus Christ Yeshua and they are seeking to have their eyes opened into the spiritual realms aside from biblical teaching and provision of the Holy Spirit. The esoteric false enlightenment tends to lead people into a dark place, far away from the gospel of Jesus Christ and His Word. So basically, in astral projection or astral travel, the person is able to project their soul or spirit out of their body and travel into other earthly realms, spiritual realms, 
or even planetary realms, according to the esoteric writings of experts in the practice. The doctrine states that the traveler can travel anywhere in the universe and is said to have control over the matter. Many testimonials include flying around the world, seeing sights, and experiencing normal human attractions in the earthly realm. Others speak of traveling to the different astral planes or dimensions, including planetary spheres. There are even documented accounts of witches and warlocks claiming the ability to enter into the dreams of their adversaries while in the astral planes. The astral plane, also called the astral world, is a plane of existence postulated by classical, medieval, oriental, and esoteric philosophies and mystery religions. It is the world of the planetary spheres, which is crossed by the soul and its astral body on the way to being born and after death, and generally said to be populated by angels, spirits, or other immaterial beings and entities. Of course, this is the esoteric definition here. And in reality, we're dealing with deceptive entities, including fallen angels and demons. In the late 19th and early 20th century, the term was popularized by Theosophy and Neo-Rosicrucianism. Theosophy and Rosicrucianism are both very popular among historic and modern Illuminati. One of the darkest and most wicked women I've ever learned about in occult studies is none other than the famous Madame Helena Blavatsky, the female equivalent to Aleister Crowley and Crowley even referred to her as his forerunner. The day he was born, there was some strange magical ritual connection going on with Blavatsky, in which she was called to be a part of this ritual last minute. Now, Blavatsky was a Russian-born occultist, and she was a pioneer founder of the Theosophical Society. Blavatsky defined theosophy as the archaic wisdom religion. She said it was the esoteric doctrine once known in every ancient country having claims to civilization. One of the main purposes of the Theosophical Society was to form a nucleus of the Universal Brotherhood of Humanity. This so-called brotherhood definitely seems to be the Universal Religion of the Beast, which contains a spiritual hierarchy among secret societies. In this religion, Blavatsky saw herself as a missionary of this ancient knowledge, and was well-educated and versed in astral projection, leaving behind much to say on the practice. She is known for providing maps of astral planes, as well as teaching breakdowns of the spiritual aspects of the human body and how to project your so-called astral body into the astral planes. Her extensive research into the spiritual traditions of the world led to the publication of what is now considered her magnum opus, The Secret Doctrine, which organizes the essence of these teachings into a comprehensive synthesis. Blavatsky is a leading name in the New Age movement and her works are heralded among practicers of the occult. It's the movement of the New World Order, the Order of the Beast. It's the order that's bringing back the ancient esoteric magic practices and a revival of the mystery schools. This revival is paramount to the end of the age and the arrival of the Antichrist. It's important to understand that anything related to New Age practices should never have any connection to Bible-believing Christians. We're going to get into that in a minute. Sometime around 2010, my brother Wes started receiving emails from a modern New Age guru named Bill Goldman. I realize that's a popular Jewish name, Goldman. It's very common among modern practicers of Judaism to be involved in mysticism as occult practices are taught in the Jewish writings of the Zohar and the Kabbalah. So this guy, Bill Goldman, is a famous teacher of a little practice known as quantum jumping. Bill explains that it's a technique for jumping into alternate universes, meeting alternate versions of yourself, and using their wisdom and skills to live your ideal life. He says that at its core, quantum jumping is simply an advanced visualization exercise. 
He says you're tapping into your subconscious mind where there are infinite number of realities and possibilities just waiting to be discovered. Anything that can be, is. He claims that he in fact invented quantum jumping about 31 years ago after spending decades studying meditation, yoga, hypnosis, and a variety of other spirit and metaphysical disciplines. So we see that he has just repackaged occult practices in order to spread this new age agenda and capitalize on his teachings nonetheless. He goes on to say that in these 31 years, quantum jumping has changed his life. He's visited a universe where he's a talented singer, one where he's a published photographer, and even another where he can paint exquisite oil paintings. The result of all these interdimensional travels, well, in the space of a few years, he's gained the inspiration to learn how to paint, take pictures, sing, write multiple novels, and even start a multi-million dollar online business all from scratch. And all of this just before his 80th birthday. It seems like what's going on here is that by tapping into the occult spirit realms, this guy has become demonically inspired by his spirit guides and they have steered him into his achievements. Of course he says that all of this takes place in the mind, or at least it begins in the mind with your spirit. Others who have been under his teaching claim some pretty miraculous adventures and material gains as well. It's very plausible when we consider Satan having the ability to provide the riches of this world to his followers. One famous spiritist website not only teaches you meditations to induce astral projection, but it also teaches you how to have sexual encounters in the astral planes. The quote-unquote intuitive medium counselor writes, Did you know that you can also engage in sexual liaisons outside of your physical body? Yes, it's true. You're not limited to the physical. There's a whole other world of sex, pleasure, and unbridled passion awaiting you outside of your physical shell. And today, I'm going to tell you all about it, she says. She goes on to say, there's more than one way to have non-corporeal sex. You can have sex in your dreams with a dream character. You can have sex while being astral with a corporeal being or sex while astral with another astral playmate. You can also have sex with a demon or a low vibrational entity. Or you can go completely beyond the confines of the physical and non-physical and have a blissful, ethereal experience that is unlike anything you can imagine. Yes, it's better than any kind of sex you can ever imagine, she says. Now, as I research this topic, it seems that it starts out as a hobby and it quickly turns into an obsession for most people. People will even make plans to be in an empty house and set aside their entire night or their morning to project their souls into the astral planes. It's also believed that there are levels that have been mapped out of the astral planes, as we mentioned earlier in relation to Madame Blavatsky. They say that the lower levels of the astral planes are filled with demons and negative entities and strangely enough, people that aren't even aware that they're projecting. Some of you may be wondering how people can be astral projecting without even trying to. While I don't have a clear answer, I would lean towards the fact that they have opened a portal somewhere in their lives, which has allowed demonic possession and or communication with the spirit realm through some type of occult practice. Of course, there are familiar spirits that are welcomed into people's homes and they can deceive entire households, including children, who are open to them. Many mystics claim that while people are having lucid dreams, they can enter into the lower levels of astral planes, unaware. This is interesting, as we've talked about how technology is providing electrical brain stimulation techniques that can induce lucid dream states. So is it possible that technology is close to producing a true virtual reality that's more than just virtual, but it's actually spiritual? So that's the lower levels of astral planes, but then we have the recorded higher levels of astral planes. They say the higher levels are the dwelling places of spirit guides and spiritual leaders, including Buddha, 
and Jesus, according to some. These higher planes are only visited by advanced practitioners with high levels of skill in magic and New Age witchcraft. The higher levels are also considered multidimensional universes. It gets pretty bizarre and deeply rooted in satanic doctrine here, but it's a highly desirable practice in the occult. People will travel to these places in order to obtain their spirit guides, seek knowledge and information even concerning prophecies and knowledge of future events, as well as obtaining concepts that will bring worldly success. It would make sense that the higher levels are sought after by extremely intentional practitioners and with much purpose and agenda. I want to specify that regardless of what level of astral plane we're talking about, we can't forget that it's all demonic deception. There is nothing godly or biblical about any form of astral projection on any level or any plane. Every level is a spiritual facade. It's not really a reality universe, but it's actually a total demonic projection or simulation per se, and that deception comes as part of a rather large agenda. That agenda is to provide a false sense of truth outside of the Bible and outside of the truth that's found only in Yeshua. Before we move on, I want to share a few dangers that the practitioners are warning about. Among their occult communities, they tend to talk about these things. First of all, there are many horror stories about people who have encountered demonic entities and some even claim to have been gripped by the hands of fallen angels while traveling. Others report coming back into their bodies and they see black entities standing around their empty body on their bed and they remain in their houses for days. Others tell of demonic entities coming back into their bodies from a lower plane and even haunting them. Even amidst the great deception that bewitches many, some practicers claim that demons and fallen angels are involved. That's the little nugget of truth that's circulating the occult communities. Fact is, it's all demonic. But even the horrific personal experiences that are told aren't enough to keep people from continuing their astral projection practices. They continue to practice with hopes of better results to feed their lusts. I'm going to read a little excerpt from a psychic New Age website explaining the main dangers to consider involving astral projection. Now, I'm in no way promoting this text, but I'm just going to read it in the form that it was published. The first question, can a demon possess you while you're astral? Answer, this was certainly my biggest fear when I began, the author writes. You're probably imagining that if your consciousness is gone, can't someone else take up residence in your body when you're not there? She continues, I don't think it's that easy. If it's even possible, she says, a demon can only possess you if you let it, if you intend for it to, or if you're vibrating so low that you easily vacate your body just for some relief of your life. Like a vampire, she says, you have to invite the demons in. Still, there are entities who can suck your life force and drain you pretty good, so you want to avoid them as much as possible. Again, make with the white light. It's your friend. Okay, let, let me just comment on this. Again, we see a mixed doctrine here. Of course, this is opening oneself up for demonic possession, even being susceptible to legions of demons. And of course, there's no limit to the degree of demonic possession that lies in this practice. There's no such thing as a safe astral projection, regardless of your state of mind. By practicing this, you are in fact inviting the demons in. The doctrines also state that you can allow in only the spirit guides that you want to and bring them back with you. This is unfortunately a demonic lie. And let us not forget that all spirit guides are demons, period. The next question that she brings up, can you physically die while astral projecting? Answer, while you are out of your body, your body is as susceptible to death as it normally would be, she writes. Someone could come into your room and stab or choke you to death or even shoot you. In fact, if your consciousness was outside your body, you may not even hear them come in. 
What you are probably wondering, however, is if some entity on the astral plane can attack and kill your astral body, thus causing the death of your physical body. She goes on to say, If this has happened to anyone, we would not know since they would not be alive to tell us. I personally believe it is possible, she says, but highly unlikely that you would die while being astral. I believe there are beings out there powerful enough and strong enough to sever your silver cord while you're astral, but I think the actual chance of this happening is really small. She goes on to say that your silver cord is the tether that keeps your astral and physical bodies attached while you're incarnated. Now, back to me. There are many practicing witches who will perform different types of satanic rituals in order to sever someone while they are astral projecting. In the dark world of witchcraft, this is the prime time to make an attack on another witch or adversary who practices astral projection. It's stated that there are cases of witches projecting into people's homes while the homeowner is on a different astral plane and severing their silver cord. We'll get to this silver cord in just a minute. The last question we're going to look at from the website. If the silver cord is our lifeline, how do we protect it and keep it safe? Are we vulnerable if we go out too far? She replies, The silver cord is such an important and valuable part of your connection to your body and it's extremely strong and durable. It's not like someone is going to come along and trip over it and break it. The cord can stretch a really long way and not get tangled, torn, or cut, she says. She continues, But this is why I always caution people about learning astral projection. It's all about protection. You have to protect your body, your cord, and your astral self. You have to use white light, golden light, and call upon your guides for protection. Keep your vibration really high. Avoid fear if you can help it. Now, here is where it gets into some major heresy, folks. She continues by saying, Ask Jesus or other ascended masters and the angels and even God to keep you safe while you travel. If you're going to travel on the astral plane, make sure your travel agent is the Archangel Michael and that he's booked you in first class all the way. Wow. So we see the universalist occultist view here. Esoteric practices are sold to people of every background. It's sold as a spiritual enlightenment process and practice that's available to everyone no matter what your religion is. They believe that these practices take them to a higher level of consciousness and spirituality. So basically, whatever your religious views are, your journey will be taking you into the realm of that faith or that belief system. That's what they believe. And then she used the term golden light. This is also the term that Sarah Young mentions in her New Age book, Jesus Calling, which has swept over the churches. Now, the use of these types of terms, the use of the name Jesus and Michael and all this other stuff that they throw into the New Age manuscripts, this explains the fact that we have all these so-called professing Christians who practice this type of witchcraft. And the thing is, folks, they see it as ascending above the allotted realms of this world. They see it as a way to achieve a higher level of godliness and enlightenment. Just like Adam and Eve, these people want their eyes opened. They want more experience than what the Bible teaches and provides. Now, some have even claimed that the Bible contains mentions of astral projection. Paul's second epistle to the Corinthians and the book of Revelation are often misunderstood by many New Agers to be practices of astral projection rather than acts of God. This is a very dangerous view that has caused many to delve into the occult practice, seeking some kind of spiritual encounter above and beyond the Word of God. Their hearts are clearly not in the right place to seek after occult measures to be enlightened. Hence the fact that no true Christian would ever seek this occult experience. Now in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verses 2 through 4, Paul writes of an experience that he had being taken up into heaven. 
And it's interesting because he ended explaining this by saying that it's not lawful for a man to utter. So he didn't even go into details about what happened in heaven because it wasn't the right time or the right place. And he said it was not lawful. And then we see in Revelation 4.2, John wrote, And immediately I was in the spirit and behold, a throne was set in heaven and one sat on the throne. So it was obviously the right time because the Bible doesn't contradict itself. This was meant to be that John wrote this. It was for a purpose. God gave him the vision for a purpose. Now, one of the main differences between the above biblical texts and the occultic astral projection practice is that when God's people were caught up in the spirit, it was God who prompted it. And for a specific purpose, ladies and gentlemen, whereas in occultic astral projection or astral travel, it's the practitioner who is seeking after the experience. Those in the Bible who had experiences which some interpret as being astral travel were not seeking the experience, but rather they were seeking a godly lifestyle of total devotion to Christ. So much, in fact, that they were used as vessels to pen the word of God under pure inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The biblical accounts are real, true acts of God, while astral projection is a satanic counterfeit. Those who practice astral travel seek after it, and they're taught it from esoteric mysticism. Another difference between the two is that one is controlled by the Holy Spirit while the other is controlled by demons in the spirit realm that are not of God. From a Christian perspective, an experience out of the body which is not controlled by the Holy Spirit has the major potential to be dangerous, like any spiritual experience outside of God's direction. In such a condition, there is nothing stopping evil spirits coming in to invade that person. So we've learned about the widespread claims of these fake Christians who claim that they have been taken to heaven. In countless books, and even in the recent Gnostic New Age movie by T.D. Jakes, Heaven is for Real. I'm not going to backtrack here and reopen the biblical criticism I made for those claims. If you haven't heard the show about near-death experiences from April 17th, I recommend going back and listening to it. But we're now faced with a woman who seems to be a New Age witch, traveling around and speaking in churches about her astral visitations to heaven. We're talking about a woman named Cat Care. Not only has she been once, but apparently she's been over a thousand times and knows how to go. This is right in line with the stories of occultists astral projecting. They make it a regular practice and experience so many things each time. Now some will hear her claims and laugh it off, attributing her accounts to mere fabrication for financial gain. While that may be true, the problem persists that it makes sense to me that she is practicing some form of astral projection and she's entered into a demonic dimension where she's experiencing this deceptive view of a false heaven. A few weeks ago, I mentioned Satan tempting Jesus by showing him the kingdoms of this world all within a moment of time. We're dealing with powers that can't be explained, folks, in any other facet than being classified as satanic spiritual projections. Basically, we're talking about something that would be a spiritual version of virtual reality. Things a born-again Christian would never seek after. But in fact, they would resist it and flee from it if it ever offered the opportunity to them. So this woman, Cat Care, probably short for Catherine, has had some pretty vivid astral trips to heaven. Sadly, her trips to heaven have absolutely drawn far more interest in the modern church than the actual biblical accounts have. She's apparently played golf with Jesus, witnessed Christopher Reeves teaching people to fly. She was also blessed enough to have been able to ride a roller coaster in heaven. So apparently there's roller coasters there. And then she saw cinnamon buns the size of dinner plates. She even saw Michael Jackson and Whitney Houston there. Now she revealed that loved ones can actually pray you into heaven. And they can actually put things in your mansion in heaven. As a matter of fact, God is so open to revealing things to her that he told her to have pink hair. So she now keeps her hair pink. 
I wonder if God told Jan Crouch to have pink hair too. Apparently, everyone in heaven has a nickname, and the Holy Spirit's nickname is the Drama King. This is truly demonic and total blasphemy. I I can't believe that churches are welcoming this witch into their churches to teach this heresy. In one of her speaking engagements, she humbly stated that there's no darkness in her at all. Could it be that she thinks she has achieved such spiritual enlightenment in her astral travels that she's become a perfect being? It almost sounds like a Buddhist who's achieved the state of nirvana. This New Age Gnostic witch has truly been deceived by some major demonic entities in the spiritual realm. She has entered into a demonic projection that has shown her these things, all of which pervert the biblical accounts of heaven. And she's got followers who have compiled these videos of her soaking techniques. This is great. We can now learn how to soak the way that she does. Now, soaking is a New Age practice that has emerged in the charismatic and neo-Pentecostal churches and it has swept over so many crossing the denominational lines. The soaking and contemplative prayer movement is truly bringing in New Age witchcraft and mysticism into mainstream Christianity. Even the world-famous Passion Conference, led by Louis Giglio and Andy Stanley, they have embraced these types of meditation and prayer practices. I was going to read the how-to steps on astral projection, and then I was going to compare them to the how-to steps of spiritual soaking. One came from a New Age website, and the other from Pat Robertson's CBN website, which is one of the most popular so-called Christian broadcast companies. I decided not to read it aloud, because I don't want to even read the witchcraft ritual steps on the air. But what I found was this. They are very similar in nature. The soaking is a dangerous practice, folks. So is the contemplative prayer, as they are steeped in New Age ritualistic meditation that opens up your body and mind to the demonic realms. So it's no surprise that Cat Care would be teaching soaking to her followers in the modern church. And then they experience something spiritual in the process. And of course she's highly acclaimed and praised by her followers, as she has provided a mysterious spiritual growth in their lives. This growth is not real. It's a false satanic experience. But what they don't realize is that they've been entertaining demonic spirits, and that never ends well. This is an area in the modern church where discernment is so lacking, and supernatural experiences are desired more than true biblical obedience and growth. A simple solution would be to test the spirits to see if they are of God. And how do you do that, folks? You compare it to what the Bible teaches. But these people want to be drunk on experiences rather than sobered by the truth. So we've talked about the occult practice of astral projection, some of its dangers, and the fact that it's historically steeped in esoteric mysticism, which is practiced in false religions of the world. There are even some beliefs and practices written among Islamic, Jewish, and Indian Hindu texts. The Kabbalistic practices include intense visualizations of the ethereal worlds, or the perfect worlds they call them, and what they do is they visualize them until they are progressively realized. This sounds similar to Cat Care's experiences that seem to be causing so many professing Christians to desire experiences like these. Once somebody experiences this ethereal world or this perfect spiritual world, they're sold, they're convinced, and they want it, and they want to continue in it. And the problem with these so-called Christians is they're attributing the experiences to God and the Holy Spirit. Ironically, most of the recorded mystic religious writings attribute the experiences to a God or a higher power as well. Even the Eastern Orthodox monks have recorded their practices of astral projection as a method of achieving exteriorization. Some even use tinctures, drugs, or medicines to assist in the projection and expansion of consciousness. We see this type of behavior in the tribal groups in various parts of the world who enter into what they call spirit walks, and they come back and tell their visions or their projections, 
and they explain how it all took place outside of their body. But the interesting thing we see is that drugs aren't necessary in the least in order to achieve astral travel. The majority of people achieving this in modern times are practicing the recorded accounts and steps of the ancients that don't involve drugs, but they actually involve a purely spiritual submission resulting in a journey into another realm outside of one's body. And there are many gurus out there teaching people the different techniques and making these practices so readily available for anyone who is seeking. I'm sure we've got some skeptics listening right now who are thinking, okay, this is really interesting and definitely entertaining, but what are the chances of any of this being real? I was perplexed to learn about a government military operation involving a practice called remote viewing. This is pretty mind-blowing. Remote viewing is the controlled use of ESP or extrasensory perception through a specific method using a set of protocols and technical rules which allow the remote viewer to perceive a target, a person, an object, or an event that is located distantly in time and space. A remote viewer, it is said, can perceive a target in the past or future that is located in the next room, across the country, around the world, or theoretically across the universe. In remote viewing, time and space are meaningless. The term remote viewing came about in 1971 through experimentation conducted by Ingo Swan, Janet Mitchell, Carlos Osis, and Gertrude Schmedler. Strangely, in the experimentation, Ingo Swan correctly remotely viewed in 1973 that the planet Jupiter had rings. Now, this is interesting. This was a fact which was later confirmed by space probes, of course, after the fact. A remote viewing session lasts about one hour. During the Cold War through the 1970s and 1980s, remote viewing was further developed by the U.S. military and the CIA through such programs codenamed Sunstreak, Grill Flame, and Stargate. The government-sponsored remote viewing programs were very successful according to many who participated. Some of the now declassified examples include the highly accurate and detailed descriptions of buildings and facilities hundreds of miles from the remote viewer, including a crane assembly in the Soviet Union. Although these organizations claim that their remote viewing programs have been abandoned, some insiders are saying that they are still being conducted secretly. Some well-known remote viewers say that they were contacted by the U.S. government after the September 11th attacks to help locate other possible terrorist activity. This isn't really that surprising, as federal agents and police have been working with psychics for years to help them crack cases. We even see this in the TV shows and the movies. Of course, the experts claim that the remote viewing is not an out-of-body experience or an astral projection of any sort, but ironically, some remote viewers occasionally report a feeling of bilocating to the site of the target, even though their bodies are somewhere else. They explain that during a remote viewing session, the subject is always fully awake and alert. That's kind of scary. I couldn't imagine seeing one of these New Agers remote viewing a target while being wide awake with their eyes open. Now that's purely demonic to say the very least. This reminds me of the movie Minority Report with Tom Cruise. The agents had those hybrid alien human precogs that laid in the water tanks and would project their visions all the while having their eyes open. That always gave me the chills. So regardless of how crazy all of this sounds, it absolutely lines right up with ancient and mystic religious practices of the world, spanning through many cultures and many lands over thousands of years. It's so real, apparently, that the practices have been passed down from generation to generation and have made their way into American society and even flourished in the New Age movement. And to top it all off, ladies and gentlemen, these occult practices have emerged into the so-called new wave of the Christian church as one particular brand per se, and also emerged into the government secret military ops as another. 
These are definitely some pretty perplexing and extremely disturbing topics to take in, but at the same time, they're wildly interesting. The fact is, we live in a giant universe filled with angels, fallen angels, demons, and many other things we have no idea about. But we can't forget that nothing takes place outside of God's sight. The God we're talking about here, folks, is Yahweh, God the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ Yeshua. He's the true and holy living God, and He is well aware of the workings of darkness in this world. Sometimes we forget that God has allowed the armies of Lucifer to have their time of deception, as it's all part of the cosmic timeline. But their time is running out, folks, as we approach the end of the age, when Christ Jesus Yeshua will return for His bride, which is the true church. And He will destroy the enemies of God, and He will punish the wicked world for eternity. So why would anyone want to be on the losing side of that battle? Why would anyone not want to experience God's love instead of His wrath? I can promise you that practicing any form of New Age mysticism and occult rituals or esoteric religion will definitely put you at enmity with God. The false sense of contentment people receive through magic and sorcery and false religion, it's just that, purely false. We live in a world where people are seeking contentment in all the wrong places. Some are looking for it in money, others seeking it in power, but the fact is people are looking for contentment everywhere. That is, everywhere but the very place it can only be found. The mystics we learned about tonight have all sought after spiritual contentment and enlightenment through demonic interdimensional astral travel. The so-called Christians we learned about tonight are seeking after signs and wonders and experiences that are above what the Bible teaches. They clearly aren't content with the word of God and the hope that's in Christ. So they're lusting after the mysticism and spiritual encounters and what appears to be nothing less than astral projection. And this astral projection is taking them into a false heaven. And all of this they do in the name of Jesus, claiming to travel with angels and crediting these demonic works to Yeshua. The military was seeking contentment through power as they delved into demonic arts and the practice of remote viewing. All these were seeking worldly contentment, folks, and dangerously they're seeking it in the spiritual realm, whether they realize it or not. How are you seeking contentment tonight? Are you chasing after money, material wealth, or maybe unhealthy relationships? Are you seeking contentment through lusts of the flesh? It seems like these are all popular diversions that our world seeks in order to try and be happy. The Bible tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6, But godliness with contentment is great gain. Let me say that again. Godliness with contentment is great gain. We need both of those simultaneously. You can have temporary earthly contentment without godliness, but it won't last. But if you have true godliness, it will come with real and lasting contentment. The love of money and contentment are mutually exclusive in this world, it seems. An ancient Roman proverb says this, Money is like seawater. The more you drink, the thirstier you get. Ecclesiastes 5.10 summarizes the point this way. He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance with increase. This is also vanity. Historically, folks, it's been documented and demonstrated that no amount of riches can compensate for a lack of contentment. Millionaire Illuminati financier John D. Rockefeller, he said, I have made many millions, but they have brought me no happiness. We also know he had a lust for power and spiritism, among other things, and all for nothing. Henry Ford was quoted saying, I was happier doing mechanics work. The cynic and stoic philosophers of Paul's day were probably more content than any of the modern corporate tycoons knee-deep in their false religion and occult practices. But even those philosophers viewed the contented person as one who was self-sufficient, unflappable, and unmoved by outside circumstances. But even then... They were seeking contentment in all the wrong spiritual places, 
as with the people we learned about tonight. And like we said, when you seek spiritual contentment in the wrong places, it will bring about a great deception and it will be temporary. The fact is, folks, true Christians have the best understanding of real contentment because they know that it comes from God through Jesus Christ Yeshua. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5, Paul wrote, Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. In chapter 9, verse 8, he wrote, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. You see, the genuine believers therefore see contentment as more than merely a noble human virtue, or a gain made by his or herself. For real believers, it derives from the sufficiency God the Father and Christ the Son provide us. Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 4 verse 19, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Thus a godly person is not motivated by occultic knowledge, new age spiritual enlightenment, or the lusts and gains of this world, but rather by the love of God through Christ and the promises found in his holy and inspired word. It's time we stop chasing signs and wonders and the kingdoms of this temporal world and we start chasing after a godly life as we are washed clean of our sins because of the sacrifice that Christ made on the cross. Let's chase after the things that we can confirm by the word of God, ladies and gentlemen. Psalm 63 verses 1 through 5 displays an attitude that we all should have in our hearts. It proclaims, O God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is to see thy power and thy glory so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. Amen. Folks, I want to encourage you to thank God that he has given us his word. His word is complete and totally filled with everything we need to know about pleasing him and living a life that honors his will, as well as being truly enlightened. There's no higher calling than to live by the contents of the scripture. There is nothing in this world, be it material gain or spiritual practices outside of the Bible, that will bring true contentment, folks. Because true contentment can only come when we are in line with God's word, living a life that operates in a true and living faith. If you're listening right now and haven't accepted the Lord Jesus Christ Yeshua as your personal Lord and Savior, and you haven't accepted his holy sacrifice on the cross to pay for your sins, folks, you can start a new life right now. And you can repent of your sins and be washed clean of all iniquity. So let today be the beginning of your communion with God, friends, if you've never entered into covenant through the shed blood of Christ. It is the will of God that you don't perish, but rather that you repent and enter into a relationship with Him based on His terms. Those terms can be found throughout Scripture. Fact is, those terms can only be found in Scripture, and that is the Holy Bible. He truly loves you and He wants you to be reconciled with Him. Christ is our only hope, and my prayer tonight, folks, is that you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and that you enter into a changed life. That's the most important part of this show and by far the most important decision you will ever have to make in this life. Amen. It's been an interesting adventure tonight and I hope you've all enjoyed this broadcast. If you ever miss a show or would like to go back and re-listen to an old one, every show is archived in high quality streams on my website, fourthwatchradio.com. 
www.blogspot.com. That's the number 4, T-H-W-A-T-C-H-R-A-D-I-O dot B-L-O-G-S-P-O-T dot com. Fourthwatchradio.blogspot.com. There you'll find every broadcast dated and summarized for your convenience. Be sure to scroll all the way down on each page and click on the words Older Posts to be taken to more pages of archived shows. You can also find my shows broadcasted by the Fourth Watch Radio Network on Shoutcast, Spreaker, iTunes, or if you have an iPhone, iPad, or Android, you can download the Fourth Watch Radio Network app and enjoy easy streaming. For higher quality broadcasts, stay tuned in via fourthwatchradio.blogspot.com for all the latest shows. Like us on Facebook and feel free to add my personal page as well. If the Fourth Watch is ministered to you and you would like to help support this ministry, you can follow the link on our website. I bid you all a week filled with grace and peace in the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll see you all next week. God bless and good night. You're listening to The Fourth Watch with Justin Fall on the Fourth Watch Radio Network.